you have your Bibles, please go to Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the, the scripture on the screen. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, this is what he says, when, he, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So as you know, we're continuing a series called Vision Sundays, and, and what we've been talking about, what we're going to talk about this whole year, which we're going to be addressing the topic of discipleship, and we've been unpacking our core values. And if you remember last week, we talked about our first core value, which is Jesus is our pursuit. So Jesus is our pursuit. We follow Jesus. We go with him. We follow him. We do what he does. We pray what he prays. We think what he thinks. We follow Jesus. We pursue Jesus all the way and to the other side of eternity. And so that was last week. And, and today, we're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about people. People are our passion. That's our second core value as a church. People are our passion. Have you ever felt like crowds are a nuisance? Like you go into like a grocery store and you're like, man, this place is packed. There's so many people here. Like no one's, no one's happy when there's a, there's a big crowd. You know? Have you ever been in traffic and you feel like, man, if there was just less cars, life would be so much easier. Have you ever, like, I, w- I went to the Apple store the other day, and, and it wasn't open yet. No, there's two Apple people here, uh, geniuses, they call themselves. Um, <laughs> sorry. Are you guys geniuses or not? That's not your area, right? Sorry. That was just a free... A free um, so I was, the Apple store wasn't even open. I was just, there was this big line before, that, before being able to walk in. And so there's these, these crowds, and it's, and it's frustrating during Christmas. You can't find any parking. Like, why, why doesn't everybody just understand that I got stuff to do, and why can't people just clear the way so that I can get my job done? Have you ever been in the, on a line? <laughs> a lot of amens. In a line, and it's just too crowded. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like, like, like a crowd is, is a nuisance? I think, I think the only situation in which I feel happy in a crowd is when the church is full. Like, that's the only moment, you know? Um, but every other circumstance, I'm thinking, man, why is there so many people? I went to the gym with my son the other day at a time when normally there's not that many people. We walk in, and it was packed. And my son's like, Dad, it's January. This is a New Year's resolution, people. These are, they're all going to be gone by February. And so walk in there, and I'm like, well, there's nowhere to, to be, and so it's just, just uncomfortable. And so I think about my view of crowds. And, and I'm an introvert. If you didn't know that, I'm actually an introvert, even though it doesn't show, maybe, maybe a little bit. But, but I get a little uh, anxious when I'm, when I'm in a crowd. I get a little anxious. Maybe that happens to you, to you too. But when we talk about Jesus being our pursuit, we want to be like him. We want, to, we want to feel what he feels. We want our hearts to break for what breaks the heart of Jesus. We want his joy. We want his pain. We want to feel what Jesus feels. And so when Jesus sees a crowd, he doesn't feel what I feel, which is a little bit tense. He looks at a crowd, and he feels compassion. He looks at a crowd and he feels, 
he feels compassion. He's not annoyed. He's not bothered. He's not uncomfortable. He doesn't feel tense. He looks out, out at a crowd, and what happens inside of Jesus' heart is he feels compassion. And so there's such a difference between what normally we feel and what Jesus feels. And so I want to talk a little bit about this. Compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is common, common passion, which is you feel what others feel. When somebody's happy, you're happy. When somebody succeeds, you're happy for them. When they're sad, you're feeling what they are feeling. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what we should also feel when we interact with one another. We should feel compassion. And compassion is, is really undistinguishable from love. Love and compassion are, are basically interchangeable. They're the same, the same thing. Look what Matthew 22 says. This is Jesus talking. He answers. This is, this is a Pharisee talking to Jesus. Teacher, Matthew twenty two thirty six. 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, love God and love people. But when he talks about loving uh, your brother and sister, he says, as you love yourself, which is, which is really the same thing as compassion. Like you're feeling what the other person is feeling. You love them as if what they're going through, you're actually going through it yourself. So you care for yourself. You, you provide for yourself. You feed yourself. That's how we should feel. That's the gold of what we should feel for our brother and sister. We should feel compassion. 1 John chapter 4, 7, and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because why? Because God is love. And so you may be here... And you may say, I love God and I know God, right? And, you may, and the reason for that, you love God and you know God, is because I come to church. So I know God and I love God because I come to church. I know God and I love God because I read my Bible. I know God and I love God because I go to growth groups. I love God and I know God because I listen to messages. I love God and I know God because I give. I love God and I know God because I pray. You may say all these things, and so I love God and I know God for these reasons. But the Bible teaches us that our knowledge of God is not measured by our quote-unquote love for God but how do we love our brother and sister? In other words, tell me how much you love your brother and sister, and I'll tell you how much you actually love God. You see, love for God and love for others are inseparable in God's economy. The Bible tells us whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means for people to be our passion. Every Sunday, we welcome new people. Like, it makes, it makes my day, and I, I can feel it for, for you guys, too, when new people are visiting our church. Like, that just makes my day. We're happy. We're happy. We clap. You know, we love you guys. We're, we're happy that you're here. But I want to tell you, that part is easy. Just clapping and saying, hey, great, you give the people a smile, that, that part is easy. It's so easy because there's a distance, right? So it's like, hey, glad you're here. Hope to see you next Sunday. Maybe you'll be here. Maybe you won't. I don't know if I'll remember or not, but that's just kind of how... We feel. You see, the Bible is not teaching us that love is that simple. Um, what Jesus asks of us is different. He's not saying be nice to your neighbor. 
He's not saying don't be nice to him, but he's not saying be nice to your neighbor. He's not saying just be kind. He's not saying just give a smile. He's saying love. And love is different. You see, love is not what most people think. And you may say, Pastor, how how in the world am I supposed to love someone if I don't feel it? How am I supposed to do that? How, How can Jesus command for someone to feel something? What a strange command. But we're not, we're not commanded to feel anything. We're commanded to love, and love is a verb. It has to do with what you do. It's, it's, it's an action that comes as a result of obedience. So you'd love whether you feel it or not, which, by the way, I could go off on a whole other tangent here, but just, let's just say one thing, and then I'll continue. If you and I base what we do, how we identify or the actions that we take based on what we feel, then we're onto a slippery slope. Because what happens? You end up being your own God. And you expand that out to society. And there's a, and there's a, there's a um, we, we have a, a godless society that bases what they do and what they feel and how they identify on what you feel and not what God commands. And that becomes a slippery slope because man ends up being God. And that's a problem. And the same is true with love. God is not saying love when you feel. Like if you feel like that person is lovable, then you go love them. No, he says love regardless. And we're going to go into that a little bit here. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 to 47 says this. It's Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? That's obvious, right? That, that makes sense. Love those who love you and not those who hate you. But verse 44 says, but I tell you, love your enemies. It's a challenge. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And here's the reason. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. So Jesus isn't asking us to, to feel anything, right? He's not asking you to, to, to do what you, what you feel, because if you only love those who are lovable, then what's the difference? You could be a Satan worshiper and love those who are lovable. There's no difference. So the difference is you, you obey Jesus in loving those, and the evidence of true love is you love those people who are difficult. You see, I have a a group of friends that we, my wife and I, we hang out with them all the time, and it's easy. You know, we believe the same things, you know, the same religion, same political views, you know, kids are about the same age. It's, it's easy to love them. It's mutual, and it's super, super easy. But, but that's not the calling. This is not what he is commanding us to do. You see, what Jesus is commanding us to do is this, is love that person. We all have that person. And if you don't have that person, then maybe you're that person to someone else. (laughs) We all have that person, maybe multiple, but that person that has done everything in their power to make you hate them. That's the person we are calling to love and pray for. He says enemies, enemies, okay? Um, and, and the way to identify the person, because you may say, oh, I don't have anybody, but is there anyone in your life that you cannot sincerely pray for? 
Like you can pray. I'm not talking about, yeah, I pray that you will shower them with blessings, actually make them drown in blessings, right? <laughs> not that person. That's not a real prayer. That's not a real prayer. What I'm, what I'm saying is that you can sincerely from the heart pray and love that person that hurt you. And I know this is, this is going deep. And this is, I'm not asking you to resolve this today. I'm, at, I'm, I'm showing you the direction in which we need to, to go. You may say that person has done nothing to deserve my love. In fact, that person has done everything to des- for me, for them to be deserved, to, for me to hate them. Here's the thing. The Bible teaches us that your inability to love the unlovable says more about your relationship to God than your relationship to that person that you can't love. It says more. You may say, Pastor, how in the world am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to love someone who has made my life impossible? I'm going to give you a very churchy answer, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Look to Jesus. Let's close in prayer. No. What do I mean by that? What did Jesus do? How did Jesus love? And understanding how Jesus loves is really difficult, but being a parent is helpful. If you're a parent, you're going to remember that when your, your children are little, they do everything in their power to make you hate them. Poop, diapers, sleepless nights, crying. I'm like, I don't know how I love, I love you so much, but you have done everything in your power for me to hate you. I think about my own life with Jesus, and you can look back at your life too, man. I did everything in my power to make God hate me. I, did, I made so, so many mistakes. And what God did was the same thing that we're called to do. God didn't look at you. He looked at you through the perfection of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do with others. We're not called to look at the person. We're called to look at the perfection of Jesus and look at that, at that person through, through Jesus. And this is not easy. You see, many of us were prodigal sons. That was me as well. But here's the thing. The, the thing is that, that sometimes the mistake that we make and the reason that we struggle to give love is because we're focusing on the wrong subject. When, when we're trying to love someone who's unlovable, we're, we're not focusing on the right subject because the problem is that we're, we're focusing on the person. Um, the person, you're focusing on the person that you're called to love, that person that we were talking about. But what does the Bible say? 1 John 4, 19 says, we love, why? Why, why do we love? Exactly. We, we love, the, the reason why we love those people that are hard to love is not because they loved us or they didn't love us. We love them because why? Because he first loved us. And so the love that Christ has for us has to be the motivator for us to love one another. And that's how we change the world. That's how we change our church. That's how we change our city. That's how we change our families. It's like, why would he react that way? Like, he's, like that guy was a jerk to him. Oh, you're looking at Jesus. And I know what I was to Christ. And he saved me. That's the way to go. You see, it's such an important statement because you don't love because the person deserves to be loved. You don't love because they finally accepted their fault. You don't love because they finally asked for forgiveness. You don't love because they, you, you're finally on the same page. You don't love because they finally changed. No, you and I, we love for one reason, because Christ loved 
us first. You see, we did everything to deserve for God to hate us. Like, we've messed up. Ephesians 3, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 1 says we were, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We couldn't do anything for ourselves. And Jesus looked at us just like, just like God did. You see, God looks at us through Christ. And just like that baby who's all messed up, and imagine that this, this baby is just making your life impossible. Imagine this baby is, has a cold and snot on its face and is all dirty. As a parent, what do you do? You better go clean yourself up before. Like, like that's, that's unpresentable. I can't hug you that way. I used to think that, that when Jesus accepted us, you know, he like had to hose us off first. Okay, hose, yeah, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. Like, okay, you can hug me. No, no, he hugged us with everything. He hugged us with all of our filth. That's, 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 how, that's, that's what he did. And so that's what we need to look at. That's what we need to, to remember. And that's what we're called to do with our brothers and sisters. You see, the only way to, true, the only way to truly love and for people to actually be our passion is for us to make Jesus our pursuit. And that means loving others like Christ loved you and me. 1 John 4, I'm going to read that again. Verses 20 and 21 says this. It says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Hey, you can, you can sing all the worship songs and say, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But if you, if you hate someone, like there's a person you can't even look at, you're lying. That's what the Bible says. You don't actually love God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He's not saying it's difficult. Hey, if you make a big effort, then you might be able to love God. No, if you don't love your brother and sister, then you cannot love God. And if you say you love God, you're lying. That's what the Bible teaches us. 21 says, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The evidence of your love for God, listen to this. Your, your, your and I evidence for love to God isn't our love for God. Isn't that me saying that I love God. It's loving your brother and sister. That's the, that's the, way, that's the way that we actually love. Let's just say that the love language of God is love for one another. If you guys have ever read the five languages of, of love, you guys read that book? Okay, it's a good book. It's a, it's a book on marriage. And so basically what it is is we all have love languages. And I have, I have two love languages. One is physical touch, and the other one is um, uh, acts, uh, sorry, um, words of affirmation. Those are my two. And so my natural inclination toward my wife is to give her physical touch and to give her words of affirmation. But the problem is those are not her love languages. Her love languages are gifts, and help. It doesn't have to be expensive gifts, but gifts and help. And so I could, I could give her words of affirmation all day long. She's not going to receive that, lo- that, I'm, that I'm loving her because those aren't her love languages. So I have to give her gifts and I have to help her. That's how she understands that I love her. You see, God's love language, you may think God needs for us to Tell him how great he is. Well, that's not his love language. God knows how great he is. He doesn't need us to tell him that. God's love language is love for one another. Tell me how much you love your brother and sister, and I will tell you how much you love God. This is kind of the 
the core of this message today is you can't love God if you don't love people. That's it. Show me how much you love your neighbor, and I will tell you how much you love God. Love for one another is God's love language. And so I'm going to close with this. One of the things that we're going to be talking about a lot this year, as you know, last year was all the gospel and Jesus and all that stuff, which is great, and we're going to go deeper in that. But this year, I'm going to start challenging you. I'm going to start challenging you. We've talked about the whole idea of having one foot in the known and another foot in the unknown. So we want to create a space for our faith to start to grow. And one of the things that I want to, I want to challenge you to do this, this morning, not to do this morning, but I want to challenge you this morning to do, is to think about that person. That person. You know who that person is? No pointing. You know who that person is? Okay. Um, that person that you feel doesn't deserve your love? You see, Jesus saw the crowd, and he saw them, and he knew what they were going to do to him, by the way. You know that? He knew every single sin, and he felt compassion. So here's the challenge. Who are you having trouble with this morning? Who are you disagreeing with? Who's that person that when you see them, you want to walk the other direction? Here's the challenge. Love them. How? Don't look at them. Not like don't look at them. Like, hey, don't, don't look at them. Look at them, but don't look at them. Look at Christ. Don't look at what they've done. Don't look at what they owe you. Don't look at how they hurt you. You know why? Because Jesus didn't do that with you. About a year ago, I, I, uh, I preached a similar message, or a couple of years ago, and I, I was challenged to text someone that, I, that's, that, was, that was the person. I texted this person, and this person hadn't heard from me in so long. And I'm like, uh, hey, just wanted to know, I wanted you to know that I love you and I miss you. That's what I, that's what I wrote. The person was so freaked out, the person thought I was dying. Like, dude, are you Okay. But you know what happened is I immediately felt closer to God. Immediately, immediately. Because you will preach a more powerful gospel by your actions than your profession, what you, what you say you believe. And then you create that space for God to begin to stretch your faith. You see, people are our passion, and that cannot just be a slogan. Because it, because it is not just a footnote in Scripture. It's, love is what holds the whole thing together. So I want to challenge you this week to make that call. I'm not saying you go back to being best friends. That, that's, not, that's not what it is, but that you make that call, that you take that extra step, that you have that coffee with that person. Because when you do that, you create a space for God to begin to stretch your faith and to, be under, to begin to understand more deeply what the gospel is. When you do to others what Jesus did for you, you're like, man, whew, so that's what it was. Okay, okay. And, you start, and it starts to, to, to flesh out in your own body, in your own spirit. You see, we are called to look at Jesus because God did the same thing when he looked at us. He felt compassion for us. So I'm going to pray right now, but I want, I want you to ask yourself a question, a, bro, a more broader question. What would your family look like 
If what you felt was love by looking at Jesus and not at them, what would your, what would your church look like if you didn't look at the people that you had differences with, but you looked at Christ and loved them through Christ? What would our country look like if we looked at our brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle and all the things that we have differences in through the eyes of Christ and not focusing on the things that bother us? It would change everything. You see, people are our passion because Jesus died for them, and it is our calling to love them. Let's pray. So, Lord God, we, we recognize that this is a tough, tough thing to actually do. We recognize that this is an easy thing to say, and it sounds right, but I pray in the name of Jesus that you will convict each one of us this week to do the thing that you're calling us to do and that as a result of that, our faith will be stretched and that we'll be able to understand more deeply what it is that you did for us as a result of what we do for one another. We thank you, God, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.